0: All right, welcome to the Nerd Crusade podcast. This is episode twenty six. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Witcher, Secret Invasion, and Oppenheimer. Uh, we'll give you a kind of spoiler free review, and then we'll do- dive into uh, Oppenheimer with spoilers afterwards. Um, so uh, we're going to start off with like the worst of the stuff, which is Witcher. <laughs> oh yeah, and Courtney's here with me.
1: Thanks. You For the some. introductions there, Ian. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we're gonna talk about Witcher first, uh, yes. as Courtney said, the worst of the three. Uh, basically, episode three is called Reunion, mm-hmm. and basically nothing happens in this episode except uh, in the last five minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, where Ciri uh, runs away from Yennefer and, uh, and gets cha- and the mages and gets chased down by the Wild Hunt, and Gerald comes and saves her.
0: Yeah, this is the first time we see <clears throat> the Wild Hunt whatsoever. If you played the games, or at least play 3, you know who the Wild Hunt is. Or 2 and 3, uh, I believe the Wild Hunt is. Yeah. And, um, but this is their first appearance, and they're chasing down Ciri and wanting her to join them. Um, she thinks it's an illusion, but then is shocked to find out that they're actually really real when Gerald shows up and saves her, saves her from them. Um, why she's mm-hmm. running away from Yennefer this time is because... They're going to take her to the mage's place, but, like, yeah. I think she says that the mages are going to just use her anyway for their own means. Yeah.
1: So she's like, well, fuck that. She doesn't
0: want to be a mage, so she doesn't want to go through all that bullshit.
1: Yeah. She doesn't um, want to be a princess.
0: She doesn't want to be a princess, so she doesn't want to, like, go back to Nilfgaard, right? or or Sira, C- wherever she was originally from. Yeah, um, Has no interest at all with the elves. Um, they had, like, some little side it for her wrestling a, a wyvern for some reason but it was pointless uh it just was a reason for, it was a reason for her to call yennefer back and y- gerald back um the girl who, who thought she was Siri at the end of the last episode yeah it turned out she was put under a spell and there's a witch that was controlling her another mage who doesn't have a face apparently who's working with uh the bad guys who is not Nilfgaard, but is someone else working with Nilfgaard for their own means or whatnot. Um, basically, like the whole story of the witch, of the Witcher, as far as it, it con- ta- concerns Cyrilla or Ciri, is that everybody wants her for something. And the only person that wants her to make up her own mind is Gerald.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, wants,
0: and whatever she decides, he's going to help her do it. Everyone else wants to use her like a, like a pawn on a chessboard for something. And it's very clear that she doesn't want any of that shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. And... Gerald is, Gerald. sorry, is the only one that wants her to be able to make her own decisions.
0: Yeah. Um, so, at the end of this, the Wild Hunt shows up, Ger- Gerald saves her, and then they're reunited. That's the big reunion. And it's like, yeah, just stay with this guy. He'll keep you safe. Yeah. And now that the Wild Hunt's involved, that's another faction that nobody has even thought of or has even mentioned of. Technically, Gerald should know who they are. But that's from the video games and the book lore. Mm-hmm. He has not interacted with them at all in the series yet. Except right. Except for
1: right now. But I'm assuming he knows exactly who they are. I yeah. would hope so. They'll yeah. probably explain that maybe more in episode four, but we'll find out next week. Yeah. Because we're taking it slow. There's only two more simple.
0: episodes left, until like. but I think next week also the rest of it comes out, which is the last three episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, on the 27th. Uh, the rest of it will, ah, will come out.
1: Perfect timing then.
0: Yeah. So we'll be finishing that up as it goes. But yeah, that's The Witcher Season it, 3. It's still mediocre. We're really basically watching it for Henry Cavill and see that what action they put him in because he is really good with all the action scenes.
1: Him and that- any scene that he's really in, he's very captivating in it. But just everyone else, I know they're trying, but it's just it's just kind of falling flat for me.
0: Yeah, it's really kind of meh. Um, yeah. As, right. <laughs> as for other Netflix shows to watch, I would say Black Mirror is something to watch. Oh, <laughs> Way yeah, 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 um, We watched the first episode of that, and that was surprisingly like really the good. the season. And really like on point with what's going on with the writer's strike and the actor's strike. So i suggest watching that instead if you don't care about The Witcher. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Secret Invasion. Uh, that we watched... Uh, Second to last episode. Last episode's coming this week. Yes. This episode was called Harvest. And this revealed a lot of stuff and then finally put uh, Nick Fury kind of like on the offensive by the end of it. Um,
1: For getting our old Nick Fury back. Yeah, so... We got his coat. We got his little beanie. Yeah, and that's what like the last... We got his eye patch. The
0: last three minutes of it is like him putting on his coat, his eye patch, and ready to go fight the good fight. Um... And kind of explain that he caused all this because he explains what the harvest is, which is what apparently um, Gravik's been looking for this entire time. Yeah. He, there's a guy who was sending out was saying, I can't find it, I can't find it. Well, he finally comes back and uh, is mad at Gravik for like saying it's not where he, th- where he th- thinks it should be to where Gravik ends up killing him. And then there ends up being a rebellion against Gravik. From the other scrolls, saying like he's a fucking psychopath. Which, yeah, he is. is. And he's made very clear he's willing to sacrifice all of them for his cause. Which he ends up doing since he didn't get the president. Well, he
1: doesn't sacrifice all of them. He just sacrifices the few that attacked him in the cafeteria.
0: Yeah, he kills those immediately. But his next step, though, in this plan is to sacrifice them all if he doesn't get what he wants.
1: Yeah, but they don't know that.
0: Yeah. um, Because since he didn't get the president... Uh, and the president's technically in his hands because Rhodey's with the president and Rhodey's a Skrull. Uh, but they've played out... Uh, he played his card with Fury saying, okay, here's your choice. Uh, bring me the harvest or Rhodey's going to have the president bomb the little town that they had of scrolls living. Yep, in which, Russia. And, which is in Russia, which is a U.S. strike in Russia would cause the next world war, right? So it's like... Cause of World War Three and get what he wants, or get the harvest, which is what he wants more. So, it looks more like the harvest series in a second once we get to that. Um, other great stuff in this episode, though, was Olivia Coleman.
1: I love her. Um, I love her. She added that her
0: boss was a scroll and t- basically took over. Yeah. She um, just
1: murdered him in front of people and, like, look, see, it's fine. I'm in charge now. And just an utter delight.
0: Yeah. Fury did prove to her that he is still not on his game, though, because she did not know that Rhodey was a scroll. And he's like, yeah, Rhodey's a scroll. Everybody knows this. <laughs> Where have you been, lady? <clears throat> um, They wrapped up other stuff with, like, Gaia bearing her father with Fury's wife, mm-hmm. uh, who, which we thought had left their house. and like, Which was, would like, be the
1: smart thing to do.
0: All right, cool. They broke up, and then Fury's going to go fight the war, and she's just going to go disappear, because obviously Gravity's going to kill her. It says she stayed at the house waiting for, waiting to take on her executioner's Herself, so Guy and her basically fight off the hit squad that Gravik sends after, which is kind of stupid because the scrolls, they're not like military trained in, or whatnot, as far as I know.
1: Well, the older ones are because uh, they fought in the last war because that's uh, Gaia's father was a general. True. And uh, Fury's wife was part of that old crew that fought.
0: But I feel like the old people are the ones who were all in, like, the council and whatnot, and the ones in yeah, his group are aren't
1: the, going to be fighting.
0: The ones that he sent were, like, the young the young yeah. people, um, who clearly got their ass kicked with their amateur attempt at killing her and Gaia, who were there. I mean, they had a clear shot, and they missed the first shot, which, like, set, set it all off. Yeah. Which is, like, you had that element of surprise, just fucking shoot her, and you would have been done with it, but they missed, and then, like... They take out, what, probably 10 people in that firefight? Yeah, roughly. Um, and then they uh, burn uh, Talos' body and give him a, a proper burial in their culture's ways. <clears throat> because Guy is too young, doesn't know the prayers and what Fury's wife does, and she gives the last rites uh, to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that wraps up kind of like her thing. We'll see them come back probably in this last episode. We'll, we'll
1: definitely see Guy at the last episode. Yeah.
0: I would assume his wife is. Gonna take off at this point. Yeah, because <laughs> I would assume either Gravic's still gonna send more people to go kill her, kill her or uh, she's just gonna sit there and wait till they finally get get to her. Or if Fury beats Gravik, which technically we know he does because of Miss Marvel, uh, uh, Marvel's movie takes place after all this.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> so it's not really suspenseful. Of like, it's just ooh. how he does it. Yeah.
0: Um, but. Well, it turns out this whole thing he's has looking for, like, so we know that Gravik has, like, Groot powers, right? And I want oh, to be clear Groot that...
1: Groot and other powers.
0: Yeah, like, the healing seems like it was... I don't know if it's a Groot thing or if it's a, like...
1: No, it's Mandalorian, like...
0: Mandalorian, or not Mandalorian The Mandarin guy thing.
1: from uh, Iron Man right. 3. Because how he glows, and also when Guy got shot, how she glowed, it was kind of the same. And
0: she had said that he had gotten the DNA of a few different things. Yeah. But I don't recognize the name of any of it. It's not except for Groot. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like she doesn't say he, he had Groot DNA, but whatever species Groot was from Planet X. Yeah. The thing is though, is that being sure that it's not Groot's DNA that he has. Planet X was the planet that Groot's species was from, and it got destroyed or whatnot. Groot's kind of thought to be the last of them, but there are probably a few of them like spread out all over the place. Right. So he just has a sample of that type of DNA that gives him like Groot powers, where he turns his arms, his he turns his body into. Roots and, ki- and kill people and shit, which is how he basically kills uh his second in command after he tries to reta- uh mutiny well, against
1: questioning him, him.
0: questioning him and then goes off and kills the others that try to basically take him like it wasn't just like hey we don't agree with you they flat out like put a bag over his head and try to suffocate the guy and kill him yeah uh, so he really does not have any support from anybody at this point uh, so, so it's kind of weird that he's it seems like groundik's completely on his own. If anybody's following, it's out of fear and not because they believe in the cause. Oh
1: yeah, it's mostly out of fear. And then uh, the people that are on the council, because they don't know what's all going on. Yeah. Because he keeps them in the dark, so they're still on board because they appointed him to be the uh, general. It's kind
0: of like what they're—they're waiting for the uh, for World War III to happen, so that's their signal that they know they need to make make a move. Yeah. But since all that's being thwarted by Fury. They can't do anything because they are all high-profile officials in the UN and the prime ministers and whatnot of a bunch of countries and shit. So mm-hmm. they can't just move on their own, if Gravick tells me. They have to move in reactionary to what he's trying to do.
1: Yeah, to what their country's yeah. codes and the, uh, their, they're just the not, politics.
0: They're just not doing anything out of in their way to try and stop him or find him or do anything like that or share information. Right. Um, but basically... Uh, so yes, it's been the thing. What it turns out is that at the battle, of, battle of Endgame at the Avengers compound, all the heroes got their asses beat. Where they, all of them bled a little bit. Uh, techn- how this whole thing started is that Fury had his scrolls, which Gravic was one of them, go and collect all that DNA. Yep. Um, for safekeeping, basically to make sure no the, one nobody... gets their
1: hands on all this what? DNA and <clears throat> can you know. Do essentially what Gravik's doing, or something else.
0: Yeah, because basically everybody bled, including Carol Danvers. That means if somebody got a hold of their blood, they could clone any of them. Yeah. Um, Which could still be a possibility we might see in the future. I'm sure there's clones of Iron Man or something somewhere in the comic book uh, franchise somewhere. They do everything they want in comics, so we'll see what happens there. (laughs) But basically, Gravik and a bunch of scrolls went into the battle zone... And collected all the DNA that they could, uh, of all the heroes, and have it kind of like it's not like it's atomized like here's Iron Man here's Carol Danvers it's just here's all the DNA we we collected
1: <laughs> and all in one pile. yeah
0: basically so kind of like so there's some it Thanos says... blood in there there's some alien blood in there there's probably some of you know, the heroes stuff there yeah what the fuck do you got you got a cocktail of whatever not. Yeah. And you don't even know what it's it is, not really. distinct.
1: And also, so, like, why I collect it? Just scorch earth that area and burn the DNA, the evidence. And that's what
0: I would have, yeah.
1: I would have scorched earth that area just so no one would have gotten, you know, the DNA or anything uh, <clears throat> important like that.
0: Yeah, unless they have some way of, like, separating and identifying what's what in this vial. Well, the
1: vial, it doesn't look like it. It's like, here's a clear vial. Well, maybe
0: they do it up at the space station. Who knows? Maybe. I mean... Maybe it's all
1: up in the space station. Scrolls
0: have, like, all... Have a bunch of advanced technology that, that Fury's been using. So, maybe there's a way to determine what's what and... Maybe be able to clone heroes in the future if they lose them or some shit. Who knows? What, we don't know what Fury's plan was for all this. Whether he was trying to prevent it from being used from harm or use himself later on for a contingency plan or something. But it turns out like he knew it was dangerous. So Gravik thought he knew where it was hidden because he was part of the collection team. But Fury took it and hid it himself. Yep. Uh, elsewhere. Which turns out to be one of his grave sites. He says he has a bunch of different grave sites that have, like... All over the world. All over the world. says Captain uh, Nick J, Nick Fury, or whatnot. Um, or Nick J Fury, or whatnot. Um, basically, it's a safe deposit box that only he can open. He gets the harvest, but he also goes into the tomb next to the grave, and that's where he gets his leather jacket, his eye patch... Mm-hmm. and uh, his gun, and he's ready to go fight. And that's where the episode ends. So, again, this is, like, only a 30-minute episode. I'm hoping this last episode is going to actually be, like, an hour or more.
1: Yeah, you n- <clears> it needs <throat> to be an hour. Because they
0: need to wrap this up. Because it went very quickly in 30 minutes to show that, like, Gravik has no support from his people because all his plans keep getting thwarted by Fury. The reason why his second man- command went after wasn't only because he couldn't find the harvest, but also because he didn't kill Nick Fury when he had the chance... Mm-hmm. And it's kind of because I think Gravik wants to break Nick Fury first, but
1: he uh, can't. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Nick Fury at this point, Nick Fury is past the point of pretending to be broken. He's ready to jump in the fight full force. Yeah. Uh, so him and uh, Olivia Coleman's character, who's the head of the MI Six group, are now together, and they're going to head out from where they're at to go meet Gravik. Uh, mm-hmm. Fury has the Harvest, or what we think is the Harvest. Who knows? It might be just a. It might
1: a, be a decor. It might be, like I said, up in the space station. We do not know. Yeah.
0: So he's going to go. A mutant because driving. me the deal of either give me the harvest, or I have the president blow up. Uh, uh, Russia. Ru- blow up a Russian facility and kill all the scrolls. Um, that kills his opposition. That uh, which was his home base that all mutiny against him. Yeah. But it also means U.S. strike uh, Russian soil, which causes a, a war. While as Rodiate also put out the video of Nick Fury killing uh, Cody Smulders, is her name, but uh, the.
1: I can't remember her I can't name remember off the top of my head.
0: Either. But she's got crits in five episodes because they keep replaying her death.
1: Just keep on keeping on. Maria Hill. Thank
0: you. Yeah. So Gravnik was disguised as, as Nick Fury when he shot Maria Hill and killed her. That tape is being played everywhere, and Nick Fury is like the most wanted person everywhere. Um, he's outed that he's that he's outed to to Rhodey that he knew Rhodey was a scroll. So that's also gonna get resolved in this next episode too. That like yeah, he has to take down I mean. Gravik, he has to take down Rhodey,
1: he and- has to free all the uh, uh, politicians that are under Gravik's uh, little. Not well, mind control <coughs> machine. Yeah,
0: things. because everybody that they've copied is in that facility in Russia, which has all these high operative. Yeah, which is another reason why
1: he wants to blow it up. Yeah. But yeah, it needs to be longer than thirty minutes. It ha, it has to be.
0: Yeah. So, um that's Secret Invasion, and I think the show rounded up pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Um We'll see how the last episode goes, but I mean, like, it starts a little bit slow. I think yeah. like this would have been a great show to binge watch all the way through because uh, it
1: starts off slow, but then it, it really does up. pick up and like end of t- episode two and end three, you're like, all right, I'm into it. I get what they're going for.
0: Yeah. Um, so I definitely still recommend the show. If you haven't watched yeah. it yet, definitely watch it. If you want to wait till the last episode comes out this week, that's fine. And then just binge watch the whole thing. It'll probably be worth it to watch it all as one piece rather than uh, split up episode by episode. Um, but that is one of the things that we kind of tell in the stream where, like, when they have faith in a show, they'll trickle out episodes. When they don't have faith, it's like, yeah, here's all it's of all it.
1: all dumped.
0: And, like, just take it. Or, like, season three of The Witcher, they know everybody's going to drop off after season four. So, to try and get two big burst, they cut off the season, mm-hmm. the last three episodes, and then they're releasing really it a month later. So, like, all episodes came out, or one through five came out June 29th. On the twenty seventh this week, the last three episodes of Witcher three will come out to round out this season. Everybody's gonna watch those, give their reviews and all that stuff, and then the show's gonna be dropped like like,
1: like a hot, a hot potato. Yeah,
0: nobody's gonna watch season four. No, nope. except for like maybe people who've never have any contact with the original material
1: or hate watchers.
0: Yeah, people like that that would continue well, watching it. Yeah,
1: that's why people watched Velma was a hate watcher yeah, and a report on it. Yeah, and like, So that's probably the, I would say, only real people that would.
0: I can assume because there's people out there who thought the Halo show was good who don't know anything about the lore, yeah. thought that that show is done really well and like it and was going to watch season two, that there's people who've never heard of The Witcher or have watched this show and think, oh, this is a good story.
1: Yeah. And the only reason
0: why we hate it is because, same reason why Henry Cavill hates it, they've gone against what the storyline is. Yeah. And they're trying to like rectify shit in season three to put it back on track. Um, and now they're, they're adding like the big bad, which is the, uh, wild hunt. Mm -hmm. So get people hooked in, but honestly, just play the, play Witcher 3 if you want to know what the fuck happens in the story. Yeah, just go play play the Witcher
1: games, preferably 3, because it is better rounded and, uh, a great story. Yeah. Uh,
0: so last thing we saw this week was Oppenheimer. Which was actually surprisingly really good. Now I would say there's two different. Like, there's been like some varying reviews. The most overall, most people have said is really good movie. Uh, some people have uh, had poor reviews of it. But I think it's because there's an expectation based off of the hype on this. Wait, the
1: hype and the and how they viewed like other Nolan films. Yes, because this, this is a Christopher Nolan film, obviously, but it is done so much more differently. Than his past, even compared to Dunkirk, which is a was a historical uh, film as well, but just how he edited it and how everything plays out, it is completely different from what he's done in the past, and it gave that slightest memento vibe, especially in the beginning, but like at the end, it was like this is a completely different feel, completely different. Uh, Nolan film that everyone was used to.
0: Yeah, this movie is really, really good. I def- we definitely rec- recommend watching Loved it. Loved it. Go
1: see it the It's theater. long,
0: but it is good. It is a long movie, but definitely good and definitely worth watching. Um, but this is not like other Nolan films, like you said, where he showed us something we've never seen before. <laughs> like, Inception was something like playing around with Dream, with dream Worlds and uh, showing us something crazy. Tenet was... Playing with forward and backwards of time and stuff, and really wrapping around, around your head around it. Well, both, both are... of those
1: were science fiction. Yeah, and like so even... that solid science fiction. Even with uh, uh, the Batman uh, films that he's done, there was like a bit of like disbelief you had to do with it too.
0: Yeah, because it's all fiction. Now this is not obviously it's not obviously a hundred percent documentary about Oppenheimer's life and everything's hundred percent accurate. There are some embellishments here or there or whatnot, but. Um, it is a very good movie. We definitely recommend watching it.
1: Strongly recommend really it. Really
0: good cast, really good uh really good music, really good cinematography. Oh my
1: gosh, the music is so good. Like even when they just have a group of men sitting around the table talking, it gets intense and it's all because of the music and it builds up, builds up. I found myself like gripping Ian's hand at times, like hard just because of how intense The scene was getting of just talking. It was so well done, so brilliant with the music and the editing of this film.
0: Now, what's really interesting is obviously, Keelan Murphy plays Oppenheimer, Robert Downey Jr uh, plays Louis Strauss,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, who we'll get to when we get to spoiler stuff about like why it's such a big part. But what I noticed is that, um, looking at some documentary footage of who's, of Louis, Lew- Strauss, it's funny. Uh, Frank, Lang- uh, Langella actually looks more like him, but Frank Langella is yeah. probably really, really old right now. So, uh, Robert Downey Jr. playing him still did a very good job, mm-hmm. but like old man, uh strauss actually looks a lot like frank legalia does yeah uh, at least how he did in like the movie dave um i don't know how how wow. it looks right now <laughs> i think um, that's probably why they went yeah it's probably why they wouldn't, wouldn't with it and they had to uh, show him as being younger mm-hmm. um but this is definitely a good movie go see it um yep
1: strong recommendation of a yes
0: definitely do and from this point on we'll uh be talking some spoilers uh, about the whole movie. I would say the one thing that people like, people who had a negative reaction to it might be is because this movie has no CGI in it, supposedly. I still think the last shot with like the Earth and the atmosphere, that's probably CGI.
1: Maybe, but it could have been done practically, like um, a model. Yeah, I noticed but... that he used a lot of models, yeah, which was so nice because you see that real fire interacting with real wood and is. Mm,
0: Beautiful, but the thing is, right? They hyped up so much. Oh, he created an atomic explosion practically. Yeah, and you're like, oh, how is he going to do that? And you're, and honestly, like, going into, it, I think a lot of people thought, I'm going to see an explosion, a nuclear explosion in this film that I've never seen before because it's done practically, realistically. It's an explosion. It's nothing you haven't seen seen before. <laughs> yeah. I, when that happened, I was like, okay, this didn't blow my mind. Where's the big crazy? Where's the crazy visual effects I'm supposed to to see here? Like, this is... It's an explosion.
1: Yeah, that's what it...
0: That's that's
1: all it really is. It's a destructive explosion that killed millions of people.
0: But, like, you don't get... You don't, they don't show, like, the destruction of Hiroshima or Nagasaki in this movie. No. They focus on the Trinity bomb, which is the test site bomb. Yep. And that's the one that he, they yep, did all practically. They,
1: yep. All they focus really on is the uh, the town uh, where they developed uh, the Manhattan Project.
0: Yeah. And that's all what this movie is about the Manhattan Project and, like, what happens after. Yep. Um, the big thing, like I said, is that... If you're going in this hoping to see, like, some crazy special effect that you've never experienced before, see something new, you're not going to get that. Um, you're going to get a really cool see- scene and sequence, and how they film it is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, oh, my God, I've never seen this before. And and, and if you've seen like, atomic explosions, whether it be uh, old-school footage of test explosions or yep. or fast ones done in TV and movies, and, like in Godzilla or whatnot... You aren't going to be blown away by the explosion. Yeah. Now, what's great about this movie is that, like you said, it's kind of a momentum feel at the beginning because it is about Oppenheimer's life, but it takes a switch at the third act. Yes. Where it becomes about something completely different and it's about Louis Strauss. And oh, well,
1: ha- now we're getting into spoilers. So. Well, I already said
0: we're talking about spoilers. Oh, okay. So, so now we're here's getting the switch into. into to, to Strauss <laughs> and where. He's uh, going where he gets rejected for a cabinet position because he's trying to become the head of commerce. Mm-hmm. He was offered, I think, I was looking at the history, he was offered like Secretary of State. He was offered a bunch of different positions. He all turned out, He wanted to be head of commerce. Um, but he becomes the eighth person in the history of the United States to get declined and the first one to be declined since 1925. The next one doesn't get declined until like 1989 yeah um so it's,
1: it's, it be- a, it's kind of a big deal <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually. It's, it's,
0: it's a big deal that like he didn't get this appointment and what it turns out to be is that this big discussion of what happened in world war ii which is we're rushing to make this bomb Oppenheimer was rushing to make it because obviously he's jewish and his focus and the way they brought in all these scientists to help work on it was we got to get Hitler. it we got to get this bomb before the nazis do yep and his philosophy behind the whole thing is that if we make this bomb and we make it big enough and destructive enough, it should put the fear of God into the world that nobody that we should get world peace out of it by showing how destructive we uh, we can be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> but that comes with the second part of it, right? Like, so we showed destruction of the atomic bomb. The second half is convincing world leaders not to use it, which is where Strauss comes in because. Um, Keep Obama knew like the devastation issue was creating, and all the people around the him kind of were telling him like, dude, they're gonna no. just keep making more of these. We're gonna keep making more of these. Like help sign this petition so we don't do this. Yeah, and he was kind of not for signing petitions a lot because he's already in trouble in the past with him intellectually being interested in the Communist Party that was back then. Uh, because like back in the '30s '40s, communism was almost a running fad.
1: People, with a lot of people. Yeah, they
0: throw garden parties uh, and talk about communist ideas and stuff. And as a scientist, cool, he's gonna he would go attend these things with his friends or whatnot. He wouldn't join the party. His brother joined the party at one point, but then left. Um, but like he wasn't a communist, but he was affiliated with communists. And at this time, even today. People know. I think today's politicians know less an understanding about socialism and communism than they did back in the 30s.
1: Oh, 100%.
0: Um, because here's the thing that a lot of people think in World War II is that we had to drop two bombs because Japan wouldn't surrender because we wanted them to renounce their emperor. And that's the one thing that they wouldn't do. So they're, so it's kind of, this is one of the things where it's like two sides of a coin. Like some people think that no, Japan would never have surrendered because they were not going to give up their emperor. So we had to drop two bombs on them. Other people will tell you that no, Japan was begging to surrender, and they were about to. We dropped the bombs on them to just show our power, but not to them, but,
1: but to, to the Russia. More, yeah.
0: <clears throat> because there is, I remember in school there was a documentary we were watching about the bomb and whatnot, and that there's a big thing where Truman goes and tells Stalin, uh, hey, I have this weapon. And he basically tells him that to gauge his reaction, and Stalin just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so it freaks out freaks the Americans out, like holy shit they must already know about this or they must already be making one them, themselves. What's going on? We need to basically kick off the basically kick off the Cold War at the end of World War II. Or most people think it starts a little bit later, maybe with Vietnam. But the Cold War started no. ex- right at the end of World War II. Yeah. Because we had this total anti-communist uh, I- ideal going on even though Russia was our ally at the time. America hated communists, and they didn't want nothing to do with them. Um, and the thing with uh, Oppenheimer and this community he built to, of scientists to build the bomb is in the community of science, they want to share information with each other. Yeah. Regardless of the political impacts, it's, hey, there's Russian scientists or, the, or German scientists. We need to tell them about it. Like, even one of the scientists that they got out of Germany told him, like, what do I do uh, if we succeed? It's like you tell the Germans it too and hope it scares them not to build it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Which is like, no, you can't tell the Nazis that, hey, yeah, we have an atomic bomb. This is how you build it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Same thing with Russia. You don't go and tell Russia that too. But there were, as much as Oppenheimer trusts all his scientist friends.
1: There was a few. There were a bunch that, of spies
0: there that, yeah. were, were, that were leaking information to Russia. So the spy games all started with World War II and this anti-communist thing. Um, because of that, we had where like, the spy games really started and Cold War started right at the end. Uh, but what happens with this movie is like we said, it turns into Amadeus on the third act.
1: Oh yeah. Where you realize <laughs> it's that following Amadeus.
0: if you haven't seen Amadeus, it's about, uh, Amadeus mm-hmm. Mozart and I forget the other guy's name.
1: Um, but he's another composer that who basically, a,
0: he saw himself as a rival to, to Amadeus.
1: Yeah. And was extremely jealous of him and wanted to uh, basically end Amadeus' career. That's so the long and short of it. And yeah. it, his name was... We're looking at IMDb. Uh
0: Antonio Sol- Salari. He was played by F. Murray Abraham in the movie Amadeus. Um, yeah, they're rivals. So, like, Amadeus would just come up with things on the fly where he actually took some of Salari's work and then altered it, like, on the fly to make it better, which embarrassed him and pissed him off. So in Oppenheimer, how this happens is that um, Strauss doesn't Oppenheimer until after he makes the bomb. Mm-hmm. And in the, as you said, like, the second half of Oppenheimer's plan is, is I have to convince the pol- world. Li- world leaders yeah. not to use this power because it will destroy us all if we make stockpiles... And we do an arms race to see who can make the most nuclear weapons, right? Because if we start firing them all off, we're going to fuck shit up.
1: We're going to end the world.
0: <clears throat> so <laughs> Strauss is involved in government. He offers uh, Oppenheimer a job at an institute, mm-hmm. which they don't say if he takes it or not. I don't think he did.
1: I don't think he did.
0: Yeah. So like, he's But it's
1: the same institute that <clears throat> Einstein's, Einstein's at.
0: Yeah, hanging out at. And so like... Oppenheimer knows Einstein. He They have their little conversation and they have this little talk and then Strauss walks up and Einstein doesn't even acknowledge him. And then the movie kind of just goes on with like Oppenheimer's life and then him building the town and building the bomb and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But what this third act comes into is that, okay, during, after the bomb was dropped and the war was over, Oppenheimer was stressing that we shouldn't trade isotopes to people. We shouldn't do anything to advance... Uh, atomic research, atomic bomb research, to any country because we don't want people doing an arms race. Strauss was against that and wanted to do it, and because Oppenheimer was beca- became was the father of the bomb and was a revered scientist, uh, the government to, went to his advice over Strauss's, and he publicly embarrassed Strauss in doing so.
1: Mm-hmm. So Strauss at a hearing. Yeah,
0: Strauss was very was apparently very petty. About shit and like held a huge grudge.
1: Yeah, he played a long term uh, petty game with uh, Oppenheimer.
0: Yeah, so he then put devices this plan to ruin Oppenheimer's reputation and uh, his credibility through uh, declining his security clearance. And security clearance is what they call Q security clearance, which is the highest security clearance you can have in the nation. So by removing it, he can no longer talk to the president. He can no longer be in front of joint staff, chief of staff or anything, or have anything to do with military or uh, readiness for the uh, nation at all. Um, He basically gets cast out. And so uh, Strauss sets up this plan to get other people to file reports that they think he's a communist, have this hearing that's held behind closed doors so that there's no public cameras or press to kind of Take Oppenheimer's side and kind of Oppenheimer just kind of like lets himself get steamrolled by all these people, uh, regardless of the fact that his wife is like telling him you need to fight back. Yeah, but it's kind of like he sees he it goes from like him understanding he built the bomb and then f- seeing the destruction it wrought on Japan and being and feeling guilty for it so it was like he felt
1: really guilty because he felt like all right if we're going to drop a bomb let's drop one but they're like no we're dropping two so he felt the uh nagasaki bombing was completely uh unnecessary yeah and yeah (laughs) and he hid
0: behind the philosophy of we're the we're the designers and creators we don't get to dictate how it gets used yeah and so he kept telling all those other scientists who were protesting it all throughout the process that we don't dictate how it gets used that's what other people do we are theorists and we created it and we made sure it works they use it how they see fit Mm -hmm. and the u.s was like yeah we do one bomb for power and one bomb to show that we have more of them so that people think we have a ton of them stockpiled and we can just drop them anytime we want yeah that wasn't to crush the japanese spirit completely they were ready to give up after the first bomb the second one was to let russia know that yeah hey we have more of them yeah. And it's not that we just had one bomb and we dropped it off. And that's where the Cold War starts, where it's like, Russia, we have more of these.
1: It's the arms race is yeah. what it, it helped kicked off. The So, like, yeah.
0: Oppenheimer getting steamrolled by this board to lose his security clearance and him just, like, letting it happen is like him taking this penance for the death and destruction mm-hmm. his invention has caused. Um, It's done really, really well. And even though his wife and everybody's telling him that he needs a fight and then it looks like, hey, they can't win this um it ends up happening um Strauss is playing this whole game to get him out so that he can uh be ba- basically uh again head of uh commerce uh for the president and do all this other, uh basically get more control over what's happening in the country and have the president's ear but at his confirmation hearing um one powerful thing about this movie is that there's, ca- there's actors here like um Emily Blunt.
1: Oh, she was wonderful. She was like, Kitty uh, Oppenheimer's uh, wife.
0: Yeah, and then I can't see his name here because it's not listed on the front cast. But the guy who played uh, Freddie Mercury, um, in the Freddie Mercury movie.
1: Oh, that was uh, like Strauss's aide. Yeah.
0: Uh, or not aid was, but um, he was one of the scientists like he's in the background quite a bit yeah and like he never says a line like so Emily Blunt doesn't get to say much throughout most of this movie to a point where you're like what the fuck is she is doing she... here give her something to do please yeah and
1: it's not until they bring her up in the hearing it's like oh that's why you hired yeah. Emily Blunt it's like thank you
0: <laughs> yeah and then she like she totally like wrecks them at this at the board meeting uh, on like them trying to say that she's a communist and that's how long how long has she been a communist and whatnot Um, the other guy, uh, who's in this background with these other scientists, who's always there uh, in the background with, um, searching, always in the background with, um, uh, them trying to get him open to sign petitions. Uh, but, uh, he always refuses when he does it. He never says a lot, says a word either until this hearing. Where comes for Strauss, for Strauss, or the confirmation hearing for Strauss, where he comes out as the final witness, I believe I believe they call him Do- his doctor. His name is Doctor Hill.
1: Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: They use him to uh, give like another like character witness for Strauss, um, but uh, the for one that they originally picked backs out
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, as for to help Oppenheimer. Uh, Because he he just decides he's not going to uh, do that to him, Uh, which is kind of weird. Because Oppenheimer took his wife from him. This is the guy had a weird weird relationship with people. Everybody respected him as a scientist, even though he was like a womanizer too.
1: Yeah, the Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer. Yeah, extreme. uh, Yeah. What's the right word? The uh, womanizer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Rami Malek plays Doctor Hill. He has like no lines throughout this movie until this very end where he finally goes up in front of the Senate and gives a scathing review of Strauss basically saying, yeah, Strauss is a piece of shit and a scientific community doesn't want him to be appointed because of what he, because his steamrolling of Oppenheimer and uh, removing his, his security clearance and how he held a grudge and basically lays out all this stuff about what Strauss has been doing. Uh, to the senate to where then strauss doesn't get uh the cabinet position yeah <laughs> uh, because like three or four three or four senators voted against him one of them being jfk which really because of the fact that they mentioned jfk it implicates strauss in the jfk assassination yeah it does because like well, who
1: knows it may be because they um uh, <clears throat> do mention like a few other people that are mentioned in the jfk assassinations in yeah yeah and so like so you're like oh is he possibly a part
0: of this yeah it's really funny that they do that because it's like is Nolan implying that Strauss has something to do with JFK's assassination (laughs) because by the end of the movie when they give you that information it's like well we know Strauss holds a grudge and he's holding a grudge against Oppenheimer for years over over one instant where Oppenheimer talked to Einstein and then Einstein ignored him so and then well
1: also Einstein kind of gave him a little dirty look too
0: (laughs) And then Strauss took that as Oppenheimer has been poisoning the scientific community against Louis Strauss. Yeah, for years. It's
1: all about me, 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 me.
0: Yeah, and it turns out like his aide, who is played by uh, Alan Inrich who was uh, yeah. Han Solo in the Solo movie.
1: He's, really great job
0: he's the senate aide for louis strauss he was trying to help him get confirmed but when he realizes strauss is like playing the game <laughs> uh way better than he thought and knew how things worked was manipulating the press in his favor that he was like oh i don't like this guy um he ends up telling him like dude maybe they weren't even talking about you maybe they have more important things to talk about like the atomic bomb and the consequences of what this did to the world which, when they flash back to that conversation...
1: Which is the very last scene of the movie. Yeah. Is what Einstein and Oppenheimer talked about uh, that day on the field. Yeah. Or which, by the pond, By sorry. the pond,
0: which was that he had come to him while they are making the bomb because they had gotten some calculations from their mathematician saying, Hey, there's a possibility if the atomic bomb goes off and we set off this chain reaction that it doesn't stop and it just continues to... Ignite atoms over and over and over again, being that if you drop the atomic bomb, you could burn up the atmosphere and blow up the Earth.
1: Yeah, Uh, and Einstein's like, "Yep, it's a a, which like the possibility
0: calculations come out to near zero. Nobody, (laughs) nobody got like this will perfectly. It will stop where we want it to stop. Yeah. So that's the big like. Hopefully, we don't destroy the world when we turn we drop this bomb. (laughs) Um, they're having a conversation about that and how like, hey. It didn't end up burning up the atmosphere, but maybe we did end up destroying the world because... Because we started off this arm race. This arm race got started. And it's all our fault. And we can't stop it, yeah. Um, That's what they're talking about, and And that's why... And you're left with
1: that haunting image of Oppenheimer looking at the pond like, oh crap, I destroyed the world.
0: Yeah, really knowing that... He took us into the atomic age where we didn't use the splitting of the atom for power, and because everybody's so afraid of nuclear energy, mm-hmm. I wonder why. Probably the lobbyists of, of fossil fuels for one. Yeah. Um, pushed out so that uh, nuclear power so bad, so bad, so bad that we don't use it. Um, that we've only ever used time power for weapons, which I know we've seen now that we've completely disarmed. But I. I called bullshit on that. Yeah. I think everybody has some atomic weapons yeah, in Arsenal original somewhere. Yeah,
1: I'm sure there's some hidden in the hills yeah. out, around.
0: But that's what two scientists of their caliber were talking about. Strauss is not a scientist. He says himself that he was a simple shoe salesman who's moved his way up uh, in the world and that he took it as a great slight that like Einstein walks off thinking about the horror of that statement kind of giving Strauss a dirty look like this is horrible but, like, not about Strauss, whatever. He built in his head that Oppenheimer was talking shit about him. Yeah. And built in his head that Oppenheimer got all the scientists to turn against him. That he put this elaborate ruse of revenge to discredit Oppenheimer, all because of his own paranoia.
1: Yep, his own little pettiness.
0: Yeah, and it's done so well, too, because, like...
1: so good. It's just so good. That last arc of the film, and you discovered, oh, this is a this isn't about really about Oppenheimer's biopic. It is, but it's mostly an Amadeus homage movie.
0: Yeah, because Oppenheimer's story is somebody who... We should all know his name very clearly in history. Like, I don't remember them me- mentioning me more than once or twice in history class. Yeah.
1: Shame. Shame. And the reason
0: why is because of what Strauss did to him. Here's the guy who brought us into the Atomic Age, and his name's not even mentioned in the Fallout games. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's really fucked up. Right? Like it they, should be like, like oh, they don't I'll even have
0: it. homages to Oppenheimer at all in that universe. Um or even cu- anything that curses Oppenheimer in that universe. Yeah. Even though he's the one who created the atomic bomb and yet
1: well, he's the father of it. Yeah. I mean,
0: he without him he it wouldn't cr- be it wouldn't have been done as fast as it got done. Yeah. And even well, though,
1: but both between him and uh, Matt Damon's character, uh Leslie Groves. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't have Come out as quickly as it did, and just a uh, sidetrack. Uh, Matt Damon did an awesome job, and him and uh, Kelly and Murphy playing off each other was so well done.
0: Yeah, hopefully, Killing Murphy gets an
1: Oscar for this, or at least up. So. they're oh, saying he, they're saying something. he's going
0: to get Oscar Knob and Robert Downey's going to finally get his first Oscar. Yeah, which that sounds about right with how the politics play out in Oscars, Oscars because they don't give. Oscars to the actual best performance or best storytelling. They played a little fucking political game like, Well, you've never been nominated, so you can't get you can't win, you'll get nominated, and someone else who's been nominated a billion times who hasn't won,
1: will finally get, they'll get
0: this they'll get for their small role in this huge fucking movie. Where as great as Robert Downey Jr. is, he's not in this movie as much as the focus as fucking Killian Murphy is. Yeah. Well, he's the very last act.
1: Well, he is definitely would be uh, supporting actor role and yeah. it does an awesome job because he because that last uh, act like last the end of the second act and into the third act it really pumps into like you know his character a lot and why the, this film is the way it is. But it's
0: almost to the point where, like, you're wondering, like, why do we care about who the fuck Strauss is? What, what's going on? Why do, Why, why yeah, are we talking to it's him? it's such
1: a great twist.
0: Yeah. Um. So it works really well. And, like I said, it's not like any other Nolan movie you've ever seen before because it's not fantastical. It's not seeing something you've never seen before. It, but it still has that great twist, but it's not as crazy as Memento was with this yeah. twist.
1: Like I said, the only, like, Memento feel was... Uh, the editing with the jumping around, and that was especially true in the beginning, because uh, you were a little bit lost. Like, okay, where direction are we going with this biopic? And then you s- start to get into the groove of it. Uh, yeah, but I thought it was so well done, and you should see it on the big screen. Yeah,
0: I mean, like Kelly Murphy kills it here just as well as he d- as bad as much as he did in Sunshine, which I think my other <sighs> favorite movie with him in it. Yeah. Like, I think Sunshine, he should have got nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. there. I hope he wins an Oscar for this one because he did a great Beautiful. role. Beautiful. And this is like, the, this is, for till now, unless he does something better in the future, is the quintessential Killian Murphy role. Mm-hmm. This and Peaky Blinders are the two things he'll be known for. Um, it is amazing. Um, Robert Downey Jr. like proves that he can, act, he can still act. Like, even he, he said being Iron Man... Uh, ruined his acting ability because his character of himself and uh, and Tony Stark were so much alike that it wasn't hard for him to play the character. But yeah. Where playing Lewis Strauss is a completely different it's personality from who he is. Um, so you actually had him stretch his acting legs again. Um, but Robert Downey Jr., great actor, should have got definitely Oscars in the mm-hmm. past. Um, if he gets Oscar for this that'd be great but definitely Katie Murphy should get best actor yep because uh, this movie is amazingly awesome i will probably go see it again in the theaters if I could mm-hmm. um it's well, just we still need to see Barbie yeah it's it's definitely a really really good movie yeah um definitely oh. not what you expect and definitely shines a light on the temperature of the world and social politics in the 1930s through through 50s yep. Uh, especially with the fear of communism, like I'm not saying like nobody here is like for communism for communism, as we see it in Russia, because they they fuck up that experiment over there. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. They the fucked rich- it up
1: there. They fucked it up in China. They
0: yeah, like fuck, com- communism know? doesn't work on a large scale, basically. But the idea of communism, where how they're talking about the t- in the '30s here and the '40s here, was that they were literally just talking about unionizing the scientists. Yeah, for them to have a union, and that was communist talk. All right, we talked today about how, like, Starbucks wants to unionize, people at Amazon want to unionize, and, like, the corporations are trying to shut that shit down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're seeing right now with the writer's strike and the actor's strike why unions are good. Yeah. It's not a communist co- concept to have a union. Uh, and even, like, so- our social programs, which we see working places like Canada and the UK, where they have national health care. that's not a communist country. No. It's... And that's it's not a socialist country either when they have social programs. Yet we have politicians today, especially the Republican Party, who wave that communist flag, saying "Fear it, fear it, fear it," still trying to fight this Cold War. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, dude, get over this shit. People are educated now. We understand yeah. how shit works. Um, and that's the problem in the '30s that you couldn't. Today we can have people can speak up and educate each other and talk about these ideas freely. We're in the '30s and '40s. And with McCarthyism going on, there was no way to do that without people rummaging through your trash, tracking your movements, all the shit that happened to Oppenheimer is what happens to people who are considered possible traitors or spies. Yeah. But like McCarthy and J. Edgar Hoover and them uh, invaded people's privacy to such a greater extent than anything that that happens today. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, we just give up our privacy uh, for convenience. Back (laughs) then... The privacy was invaded for the sake of national security over a misconception of what communism was. Yeah, um, and that's the thing is that that Oppenheimer was never a communist. He intellectually dabbled to figure out what it was.
1: Yeah, he dabbled to figure out what it was, and he had friends and a relative that were part of it at one point in time. Yeah. His wife uh, was part From of it. Communist party too briefly, but left. Yeah, because once, like, once people
0: realize what the full communist regime was doing like with Russia and whatnot...
1: It's like, oh, well... That's, that's not the
0: communism that they wanted. Like I said, the scientists were trying to unionize, and it was considered being communist, which that's not what a union is. Yeah. Um, but that's how it was phrased, because it was bad for capitalism and corporations, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, Killian Murphy, or, I mean, Oppenheimer being uh, the scientist he was, dabbled in it to understand it, but never joined it. And then also never thought that what he was doing was wrong until he was finally told, like, dude, you need to, like, fucking keep this shit on the low, a lowdown and stop I- interacting and stop assorting with these people because they won't let you get on this project because of your communist ties. Mm-hmm. And that's when he that's why throughout the movie, when the scientists are trying to get assigned partitions or whatnot about how to use the bomb, he's refusing because he knows he's already been in trouble just because he had friends who were communists.
1: And new people. And new
0: people who were communists that anything that made it look like he was on the communist side would fucking ruin him. Yeah. So he stayed clear away from that as he much was as possible. a very smart
1: possible. man to do that. But he did in such a respectful
0: but, way that the scientific community still respected him after the fact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's, again, a very smart man. Yeah.
0: Because where, like, seeing Dr. Hill come in the end and totally destroy Strauss is like, okay, well, that's part of the movie that cut out. I was like, when did everybody else know that Strauss is a dickhead? Because we didn't know that was coming at all.
1: I think it was when they were all at that round table and they were talking about who's a spy.
0: Yeah, they kept telling him.
1: And you saw uh, towards like the end of the conversation, because this that particular scene gets cut up throughout the movie and sprinkled in. You saw Strauss going after Oppenheimer really strong at the end there. Yeah, because they had and evidence
0: opened... that Russia had tested a bomb.
1: Yeah. So, and I think that's where a lot of the scientific community were like, yeah, watch Open... out for this. Oppenheimer, guy.
0: adamantly believed there was nobody on his project that was a spy, even though it turned out that there were actually some yeah, people there. Was there was
1: about uh, two or
0: three people. Three? I,
1: in real life, there was about three, three. Or They four.
0: mentioned one person for sure was a... In the movie. A, in the movie, Excuse was a, a British spy for Russia. But Oppenheimer's excuse to all that was like, yeah, they have people on their side, too. They will figure this shit out. Even when he saw... They
1: proved it, or they showed that when uh, the splitting of the atom scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a... I forget his name, uh, that originally did it in Germany, but it was in the papers, and the guy at uh, Caltech... Yeah, he recreated, it. recreated it. ...that uh, recreated it after they were reading it, and Oppenheimer was trying to figure out the calculations... And you're like, and was like, oh, see the calculations, you can't do it. And they're like, he just did it ten yeah. or th- two or three times, like, when you were figuring this out.
0: Yeah, and in doing so, the idea of make, turning this into a bomb is what pops into everybody's head. So, like, that's the but thing. Again,
1: it's like, oh, you, by putting it out <clears throat> there, you're going to have other scientists try and figure it out. Like, oh, it is possible. So there has to be a way. And then... Yeah. It'll eventually get to that re- same result.
0: And I say how they demonstrate like the naivety of world leaders is when he meets Truman. Yeah. And Truman's like, oh, yeah, the Russians are nowhere near this. And he's like, and the Russians will never have atomic bomb, atomic, atomic <laughs> technology. And Dogenberg's like, yeah, they will do. They have smart scientists over there. They will figure this shit out just like we figured it out. It's not wild to think because you figure something out no that one else, no one else yeah. is going to do it. And Truman just called him a crybaby and like dismissed his ass. But like the try to trying to convince him that, oh, the Russians are nowhere near this, or it's like they've obviously tested a bomb before. Like they have their own scientists. Regardless if they're getting information from Oppenheimer's scientific team or not, they were gonna figure it out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, like so the second half of Oppenheimer's plan, which kinda gets developed, like there's no like, hey, here's my full plan idea. It's just developed that we make the bomb. Hopefully it scares the world enough to not to want to release this power ever. But we got to convince the leaders that we don't want an arms race where everybody starts building these like crazy mm-hmm. or building even bigger bombs like the H-Bomb, which they kept uh, referring to as a super. Yeah. Because uh, it goes even bigger because um, it's based off hydrogen. Um, <laughs> they He wanted them to not do an arms race, and yet it was better for, you know, capitalism to make more bombs to run that up because industries were used to refine plutonium and all that those are businesses people were making money off of that
1: let's Um, continue doing doing it
0: Uh, but hopefully the one point did get through because we didn't use it right like nobody's gone through the process of shooting nuclear missiles at each other because since this day and age we have (laughs) movies like war games crimson tide uh games like fallout show yeah. like the f- what happens if we went this to a full-blown ha- thermonuclear war would destroy the world yeah
1: it's like it's called nuclear fallout for a reason Yep, like you you dead you super dead
0: yeah and even like how fast Os- uh nagasaki and hiroshima have revived themselves back into a living area uh we won't we don't want to see that with the modern atomic weapons we have today, which is, like, 10, 15, 20, 100 times more powerful than what yeah. they dropped there. Um, they literally dropped their test bomb and then made two more of them <clears> exactly <throat> like it on a small that were still small scale and dropped them over there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Versus now we have bombs of huge, hugely mass destruction, even well more than that. Yeah. But who knows what the nuclear fallout could be from that stuff.
1: Yeah. Or... Um, just how big the radius can be Mm -hmm. it's it is i mean japan
0: it's tiny country dude now explosive bombs today could probably wipe wipe out the entire country one bomb yeah where we dropped two small ones on two cities
1: (laughs) Um, yeah it's oh boy
0: yeah so definitely go see Oppenheimer. great movie
1: Uh, beautiful i said it's
0: not like any other christopher nolan movie you've ever seen um It takes a different turn at the third act, but it's still a fun ride to be on to see how manipulative Strauss was and how he orchestrated this whole revenge plot just because he felt slighted by Oppenheimer. And then to see that blow up in his fucking face because somebody and a group of other scientists wanted to stand up for what was right and not just be a dick to Oppenheimer because Strauss said said they should. Yeah. So great Great, movie. Go see it. Um, don't know when we'll see the Barbie movie. Maybe we'll see it, we'll see it in streaming or whatnot. Um, but,
1: but that's been getting great reviews. That's been great reviews as well, well, too. receptive as well.
0: So I'm kind of excited to see that if we can. Um, but we'll definitely be finishing uh, Secret Invasion next week. Yes. Um, and we'll be getting through The Witcher. Oh, that, boy. At like, some point. <laughs> uh, but Good Omens is coming up, so we'll definitely be talking about that. Yes, that, that comes should out,
1: be coming out at the very end of this week.
0: This week? Week.
1: I think I think it's the twenty eighth. Don't quote me.
0: Then there's stuff like uh, Ahsoka's coming out. I think in uh, September or August or something like yes. that. A bunch of stuff is going to be landing here soon. Plus, there's Comic Con uh, where they're they're not releasing. There's not a ton of movie stuff because the strike and whatnot. But there has been TV show stuff like uh, uh, Derek, uh, uh, Living Dead, uh, Daryl, Daryl, uh, Daryl. Uh, Walking Dixon. Dead, Daryl Dixon Walking Dead TV show where Daryl Dixon is in Paris for some reason. How he got there, fucking don't know. But he's in Paris fighting zombies. That's the new TV show. There's a movie called White Dragon by Batson, which is interesting because Batson are the people who did like Batman versus the Predator YouTube videos. Yeah, like they were making YouTube videos. They've made their own full blown movie. It looks like that looks like half Power Ranger, like half uh
1: Kung Fu.
0: Kung Fu. It, it was it's cool. It, has, it definitely has some well-known actors in there. Um, Which is
1: surprising.
0: But it's independent films, so they can do that, right? And they yeah. can. And independent films don't work for the association that they're striking against. So
1: so hopefully we get more independent we films. We get more crazy independent. And independence. more great-fucking-tivity yeah. <laughs> in movies again.
0: So that's all that's coming next week. We'll have more stuff on what might have been uh, shown at Comic-Con. Probably yes. more so in games and in TV. Uh, comics stuff because there's not a whole lot of movie things coming out of it because of the strike Yeah, um, but we got Secret Invasion's conclusion next week and we'll see what else we we'll, we end up talking about. Uh, you can catch us on our streams on Monday through Friday on Nerd Crusade uh, at Twitch and then you know, always catch us at the at nerdcrusade.com and on YouTube at Nerd Crusade uh, so check us out. Please leave a comment and subscribe and we will catch you guys next time.
1: Bye!